Would you turn in your Bibles to start with uh, this morning to Psalms 107? Psalms 107. I have given you the title of the message already. The title is Behold the Master. Tomorrow night we're going to go and launch out into the deep. We're going to take the church on a high seas adventure. On the HVS adventure. Somebody say, what's HVS? It's Hunt Valley Ship Adventure. That's the adventure. We're going to be on the adventure we're going to have a great time. We're going to go out on the deep seas together and we're going to behold the wondrous works of God. That's our theme for the week. The verses that we're going to read here and opening this message this morning is our theme verse for the week. I guess our goal really in it all, all of the work, all of the effort, all of the prayers, all of these things is that people would truly Behold the Master. Look at our text verse uh, for this morning, which is also the memory verse or theme verse for the week. Psalms 107, verse 23 and 24. He says, They that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wondrous wonders in the deep. You know, if you're going to go down into great waters, you're going to take some risk. If you're going to head out into the place where there is possibly some tempestuous winds and some great storms, then you're going to have to endure and go through that. But when you do, you get the privilege of seeing the wondrous things of God. You get the privilege of seeing God work miraculously and bring you through the storm. The theme for this week is from sea, riding on the sea, to see, S-E-E, the works of God. We pray that we'll go from just seeing and beholding the things of this world and maybe having our eyes on the storm or maybe looking at what's going on in our life right now that somehow through the power of God we'll be drawn into his presence and our minds and eyes will be turned heavenward and we'll be able to truly behold the master. We'll be able to behold and see the mighty works of God. Would you turn in your Bibles with me this morning? We're going to be back in Psalms as we conclude the message. But would you turn to a passage of Scripture which brings this story to life, that brings this thought to life. Turn to Mark, if you would, the New Testament, Mark in chapter number 4. In Mark in chapter number 4, we see the disciples and Jesus Christ entering a boat and heading out into the deep. Look down in Mark chapter 4 and verse number 35. And the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitudes, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship. So that it was now full, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on the pillow, 
And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and he said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Lord, we come to you right now and ask that you would open this passage of Scripture, not just that we might be hearers of the word, but that this morning we would be able to take this story from the word of God and apply it to our lives, that we might see our situation, we might behold you, the master of not just the winds and the waves, but the master of our lives and the the controller of the storms that we're going through and understand that you still are the King of kings and Lord of lords and that you reign supreme. And we ask you, God, that we would put you in the position of master of our lives and that we would turn over the helm of our ship and allow you, God, to direct and lead us. And Lord, would you take this message and use it in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. I would have you see, first of all, this morning that these people that went into the ship here with him, the disciples, that they were following the master. They were following the master. They say, he says there in verse number 35, and the same day when evening was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over to the other side. In a parallel passage over in the book of Matthew, chapter 8, 23, don't turn there, but he says, and when he entered into the ship, the disciples followed him. What I want you to note or understand is, beloved, there is here uh, a group of people that determined, that decided they were going to be a follower of the master. They were going to go with him. These were shippermen. These ship, shipmen. These were uh, sailors. They understood the, the sea. They knew the circumstances and the situations. They probably had their eye on the sky when he said, let's get into the ship and go to the other side. They might have known. They might have looked and said, hey, there's a chance of a little bit of weather coming later or maybe it's going to get a little bit tempestuous. I don't know. But whatever the situation, they said it doesn't matter because the master said, let's go. And so they got in the ship and they went. We need to be followers of the master. You know, if you back up in the text here, you'll see that there was a large multitude there of people that gathered around, that heard the teachings, that listened to Jesus. Many of them, I'm sure, heard him say, we're going to get in the ship and go to the other side. Verse number 34, I think he says there, but without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. And that same day, when the evening was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over to the other side. I'm saying there were many other people around, but they didn't follow. There are many people that they like hearing the stories. They like seeing the miracles They like being part of the 5,000 that got fed, but they're not really ready and wanting to follow the master. Boy, they're interested in seeing the miraculous. But when he says, let's go, get up and go, let's go to the other side, they're not really interested in doing that. I ask you this morning, are you a follower of the master? Is he your master? Is he the master of your life? 
it's easy to say or to look at the disciples and say, well, of course they should have done it. But it's a lot harder for us to live it. For us to really be an obedient follower of the master. You know, Jesus had said, let's get in the boat. Let's go to the other side. You know, where God directs, he enables. Maybe you might want to note in your Bible there, right next to verse number 35. Right next to that, where he says, let us pass over to the other side. Maybe you want to make a note. Put, put chapter 5 and verse number 1. Just put 5 and verse number 1 right next to that. Because he says there in 5 verse number 1, he says, and they came over unto the other side of the sea. They came over to the other side. The fact of the matter is, is when God directs, he enables. Where God leads, he empowers. God said, we're going to get in the ship and we're going to go to the other side. Now, in between there, there was a great storm. In those verses that happened in between that we're going to get into in a minute, there's a storm. But I want you to know that God said, we're going to go to the other side. And he took them to the other side. Where God tells you to go, he'll take you and he'll get you there. But we've got to be willing to be a follower of the master. I wonder if there wasn't some people on the shore and they looked at it and said, hmm, Yeah, I'm not sure I want to get in the boat right now. Looks like there might be a storm coming up. Looks like it could happen here at any minute. Maybe it'll pass over, but not really a safe time to be out on the water. You know, so there may have been some that turned back. Have you made up your mind to follow Jesus? You know, in Matthew chapter 8... Verse number 19 and 22, he says, A certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, notice the use of the term of authority and recognition of his position. He says, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes and the birds have uh, the air and have nests, but the Son of Man hath not with to where, where to lay his head. And the other of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go bury my father. And Jesus saith unto him, follow me, let the dead bury the dead. You see, he, he came up and he said, hey, master, I'll follow you wherever you want to go. I'll do whatever you want to go. And Jesus says, hey, just want you to know that I've got no place, no pillow for my head. You're going to follow me and it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a little rough. You might have some nights without sleep. And then he says, oh, wait, um, you know what? I want to follow you, but first let me go bury the dead. In today's heartfelt, compassion-driven, love-first society, everybody would say, well, that's only natural. I mean, come on, let the guy bury the dead. That's important. You need to let him, let him do that. Jesus looked at him and said, let the dead bury the dead. Your focus and your emphasis is on the wrong thing. Follow me. You see, what he's saying is you've got, you've got interest and desire. You've got all these other things you want to do first. You don't really want to follow me. I wonder how many believers are that way. They want to call him master. They want to call him Lord. They're interested in seeing the miracle and being fed. But when he says, follow me into the ship, we're not ready to go. We're not ready to really truly be a follower of the master. Are you following him to do today? There was a great multitude gathered there. But not a great multitude in the ship. Are you going to be in the part of the group that was a follower no matter how hard it got? Or are you going to go away? 
We see they get into the ship. Not only is this group following the master, but we see them fearing the monsoon. In verse number 37, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. You know, storms are really something. They're, they're an amazing thing to behold in this world. The, the power and the magnitude of the storms. Modern technology allows us to track storms. You know, you could get on your phone anywhere and watch the radar, and within, a, within just a few minutes of accuracy, they can tell you when the storm is going to be over you. Now, out two or three days, it's just a big guess for them, guys. They're just guessing. They don't have any idea. You know, a storm comes and goes. You get two or three days out, and they'll tell you, it's going to be, you know, Friday. It's supposed to be 97 degrees here. Pray that doesn't happen. Uh, that's really hot for the bus route and for the kids standing outside. But, uh, you know, they, 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 they can get a pretty good projection out there. But I'll tell you, right on, right on, I mean, you can watch the radar right over your phone and say, okay, it's going to be raining on me in five minutes. That's unbelievable. They, they can track that. These storms, they're, the weather fronts, you know that they're predictable, but not preventable. Can't stop it from happening. Can't say, oh, pouring concrete, I'm not ready for rain. God, stop the rain. Now, God could stop the rain, but we can't. On the Sea of Galilee, it's a basin that's 600 feet below sea level. It gets hot down there in that basin. The heat kind of bounces off the reflecting mountains. I've stood. I've been on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, the surrounding mountains, wind, cool air, a cool front will come and tunnel down those mountains. And it will just come in in, from several directions and hit that that warm air setting on top of the, the water there in that basin. And a storm can erupt out of nowhere. It can get tempestuous very quick. You know, storms in our lives, they're, they're plentiful. There's a lot of them. You know, it rains on the just and the unjust. Everybody deals with storms. You know, Jesus Christ went through some storms. Old Satan tried to kill him when he was born. Tried to kill him at his birth. Tried to kill him in the, the, in the temptations. Satan tried to kill him on the cross. He didn't kill him. God gave up his life. And then he took it back. And rose from the dead. Satan Satan tried but lost. You know, Christ knew what it was to go through some storms. They're plentiful. They're pernicious. A great amount of damage can be done very quick in a storm. It's amazing. Everything looks good. A storm blows through and just, it can... Uh, there was somebody just recently telling me a tornado struck their church. Oh, the ensemble that was here. The ensemble, to the weekend before, tornado came through and ripped part of their roof off of their building. And uh, praise the Lord, nobody was hurt. Um, just a few hours before their, before their Wednesday night church, I think. Uh, they, they canceled services. Uh, the pastor said, I don't want to risk anybody getting hurt if something's not structurally sound. The tornado just came through. We need to check everything out before we're all gathered in the building here. So they, they canceled services for that night. But, uh, you know, a storm can do a lot of damage quick. Matthew called it a, a great tempest. Mark here in this text, he says, the waves beat into the ship. Into the ship. You know, waves don't belong in the ship. They belong outside the ship. 
The, the scripture says it beat into the ship so that the ship was full. I don't think they had bilge pumps back then. I think they had buckets. <laughs> they were probably, get the water out of the ship. That's not where it's supposed to be. You know, they were probably bailing for all they were. This was, the storm was tempestuous. It was, it was very uh, destructive storm. You know, some storms that come into our lives, they're predictable. We know when they're coming and we know why they're there. You know, if I take all my money and buy lottery tickets and then, I, and then I don't have money, I don't have money to pay my, my electric bill, okay, oh, I don't know why I'm going through this storm. I don't know why I have money to pay my bills. Well, yes, you do. You do know why because you took the money they're supposed to pay the electric bill and chanced it hoping you're going to win the big one. You and several other millions of people lost their money. You know why states have lotteries? It's because it makes them a lot of money. Your money. Don't waste your money on that stuff. But there's, there's so many things in our lives that we know why the storm's there. You know, Jonah, when he was running from God, this great storm came up, right? And the men, the men came and said, why did this befall us? And you remember, he said, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the God of heaven and earth, the creator of this world. And they said, what? Why in the world are you running? He said, he said if you cast me overboard, the storm will be done. He knew exactly why there was a storm in his life. And sometimes you and I, the Bible still says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And sometimes we're going through some storms in our life. And you can look around and try and blame it on somebody else. And you can get mad at the dog and kick the cat. But it doesn't change the fact that a lot of times it's our own fault that we're going through the storm. It's a predictable storm. You knew it was coming before you went out and did it. Sometimes we need to just uh, man up or woman up and own it and say, okay, I got to turn this ship around because I, I steered it right into this storm. Some storms are predictable, but, you know, sometimes storms are perplexing. We don't know why we're going through the storm. This is where the disciples were in this situation. I mean, after all, didn't Jesus say to get in the ship and we're going to go to the other side? It makes perfect sense to me that we would have smooth sailing to the other side. I don't understand. I'm just trying to do what God wants me to do. I'm just trying to be an obedient servant. I'm just trying to follow the master. I'm trying to give him my life and be faithful and walk with God every day. I'm doing the best I can. This old feeble body and this weak flesh, I ain't perfect, but I'm trying. And yet I'm going through a storm. You ever been there? Yeah, sometimes the storms we're going through are perplexing and we're not sure what's going on and why the winds are blowing so strong. They catch us off guard. Seems as though there's no reason, there's nothing that you can look at and say, I didn't, I didn't cause this storm, I didn't steer the ship into this storm. Why, why am I going through this storm right now? You know, those are the hardest storms to deal with. When you thought you were healthy and then a cold 
turns into something worse and you go to the doctor and think you're going to get an antibiotic and find out you've got something far worse than that. You love and care for your children and striving to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and you think everything's going okay but all of a sudden this great rebellious spirit raises up in the heart of your young person and 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 destroys the spirit and the home and you're wondering what where did this come from why why is this here why am i going through this i thought i thought things were going the right way you thought everything was going good at work and you show up for work one day and the boss says well we had to make some cuts and you're one of them what lord how am I going to make ends meet? How am I, what am I doing wrong, Lord? Why, why am I going through this storm? And we look at it, and boy, it's perplexing to us, and it's hard to deal with. And those are the hardest storms to bear, and our fears becomes out of control. We see in verse number 40, he said, and he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? Why are you so fearful? Our fear begins to take control. Beloved, when those storms roll up, they're perplexing. We don't know what to do. And fear begins to well up in our maybe waves of of Satan uh, overflowing. Maybe the water's getting in the ship and it begins to fill up. And you feel like it's more than you can bear. And we have a choice at that moment to live by faith or to live in fear. He said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? Maybe the tempestuous winds of Satan are blowing and it threatens to sink your faith. Could you look for the master? You see, we've got to keep our eyes on the master. They got into the ship with the master, but they had lost their focus on him. He was down in the belly of the ship there. He was resting. He, had a, he, he wasn't at all worried about the storm. Because he knew who created the storm. He knew uh, what was going on. And he's like, this is going to be okay. And he was sleeping through it. They want you to see here, they went and found the master. Verse number 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and they said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Note with me the accusation of the distressed. You know, when you're in great distress, sometimes you make some foolish accusations. It's a pretty foolish thing to ever look in the eyes of your master and say, do you even care about me? I know that our heart, you look around and you feel that. Job said, I looked behind me and I looked before me and I looked beside, I looked everywhere and I didn't see you. But can I assure you this morning, the master cares. The master cares and it is the accuser of the brethren. It is that old liar, Satan himself, that's putting in your heart and mind that he doesn't care about you. That he doesn't care what you're going through, that he doesn't see the storm that you're in. He sees it. He knows exactly what you're enduring. He sees the place you're at. You know, when we have an accusatory spirit, we are acting like Satan. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. 
we see the accusation of the distress, but what they should have been seeing is the accomplishment of the divine. They could have seen what God was doing. You see, those that go down into the deep, they behold the wondrous things of God. You have the possibility, yes, in the storm, the place to see the wondrous works of God. To see the accomplishments of the divine. Beloved, God can accomplish in a storm what would never happen on smooth seas. You see, beloved, because on smooth seas, we don't pause and stop and take time and look to God. On smooth seas, we we don't really get serious with God. When things are fine and the wind's not blowing, we're comfortable and we're enjoying life and singing zippity-doo-dah, what a wonderful day. But when the storm hits, boy, we turn our hearts heavenward. I was pondering and thinking this week how quickly, I mean, I enjoy the, the Suburban that God blessed me with and I, I enjoy having a nice vehicle and it's, 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 God is better to me than I deserve. I was driving around with that, and I thought, you know what? I really like this car. But do you know how quickly this car would mean absolutely nothing to me? I mean, how fast when we get into a storm, the possessions and all the things in this world and all the stuff we've acquired and all of these things, we get into a storm, and all of that matters nothing at all. It would be gladly leave, leave it and let it go if it was between the health of one of my children and that stupid suburban. There's not any question. There's no hesitation. The accumulation of wealth or things in this world that it means nothing at all when we go into a storm. All that stuff that's meaningless falls into the background and our focus all of a sudden now is on the master and we're saying, okay, God, you've got my attention and he's able to do in the storm and accomplish something in our lives in that few minutes in the storm what would never happen on smooth seas. We need to behold the accomplishment of the divine while we're in the storm, beloved. Our priorities get adjusted real quick in the storm. Beloved, the prodigal was rebellious in his home, but he was repentant in the hog pen. Did you hear me? We, 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 we get a little rebellious in our heart when the sun is shining and things are going smooth and we want our way and give me my inheritance and I'm going to go and spend it how I want and I'm going to live righteously and do what I want to do. You can't tell me what to do, but beloved, we get in the hog pen and our eyes get turned heavenward and we say, okay, God, I realize that being a servant in your house was far better than being a slave for Satan. Behold the divine and what he's trying to do in your life when you get into the storm. And when we start to see what God wants to do in the storm is when we can begin to see God's deliverance from the storm. In Matthew 8, verse number 25, and the disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. They said, Lord, save us. We perish. Beloved, in the heart of the storm, when they had no other options, they went to the master and they said, save us. Can I say to you this morning, in regards to having your sins forgiven and having a home in heaven for all eternity, there is no other option. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. 
And he's waiting for you to humble yourself and just call on him and say, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Forgive me of my sin and take me to heaven when I die. God, there's nothing else in this world that can do it. I'm turning to you and Lord, save me. But he might be waiting for you to turn to him in their storm as well and say, Lord, save me. They called on the one that could make a difference. The only one who had power and control over the storm. In Psalms 107, where we began the message this morning, in verse number 25, he says, For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves thereof. He commanded the storm. He's in control of the storm. What we don't need this morning, though, is some rubber raft conversions. You know, those that just because you're in the storm and the waves are blowing and things are looking really bad. And so you look up to heaven and say, "Okay, God, uh, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just get me out of this storm. And then God does that. And next week, you're not even in church. Those are rubber raft conversions. Those are those people that in the midst of the storm, they just call out to God and say, okay, God, I realize, Lord, you, you, you're in control. I can't do anything about this. Whatever you want, Lord, I'm turning it over to you. I'm doing whatever you want. I'm going to do it. I'll walk with you every day. And you do it for three or four days, and God solves this problem, brings you through the storm, and then all of a sudden you stop walking with him. We don't need a rubber raft conversion. We need a righteous conversion. We need something that's real in our hearts. Something that shapes our life and changes us from the inside out, not just today, but every day hereafter. Where we are never again the same person we were before we went into the storm. Our faith is strengthened and we are a changed man because we've gone through it. I would have you see, lastly this morning, the force of the master. In verse number 39, he says, And he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? You know, this is amazing when you think about the fact that Jesus as a man needed rest in the belly of the ship. But Jesus as the master spoke and the winds and the waves obeyed his voice. Maybe we have Jesus in the wrong place in our life. When we're thinking about him just as another man, doesn't have the power to command the winds and the waves, doesn't have the power to make a difference. But what we need to do is behold the master and the winds and waves. Obey his voice. These men were in shock. Beloved, he didn't need Moses' staff. He didn't need the rod of Aaron. He didn't need the cloak of Elijah. He stood up and spoke. 
and the winds and the waves obeyed. That's all he needed. He stood up and said, that's enough now. Y'all settle down. The winds and waves settled down. He is the master of the sea. Is he the master of your life? He has the power to say, peace, be still. Peace, peace, be still. To bring deliverance, to bring you through that storm. Would you turn back to Psalms 107, where we began this morning? Our goal this week is that men and women and boys and girls, that we would all behold the Master, that we would truly see His power in our lives. And my goal here today was just to introduce you to the Master. Do you know Him? Is He the captain of your ship? Is He at the helm of your life right now? Have you called on Him for deliverance? Look at verse number 28 in Psalms 107, verse number 28. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distress. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad, because they be quiet, so he bringeth them into their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of Ren. Beloved, when you turn the helm over to him, he'll bring you into your desired shore. When you turn the helm over to the master, you have the opportunity to be glad, to rejoice, to praise to praise him, to lift your voice. You have a reason to praise him. Because he calmed the storm, because he, he delivered you through it. He brought you to your desired haven of rest. Have you beholded the master today? Is he the master of your life? Would you stand?